0: In Jeremiah 12 5 God challenges Jeremiah, if you have run with men and they have tired you out, how will you compete with horses? God offers you a similar challenge to live a life of biblical discipleship and to build a healthy marriage and a godly family. He never promises it will be easy, but it will always be worth it. Are you ready to run with horses? Hello, this is Norman. Hi, I'm Susan. Welcome to Run With Horses. It's been a little while since Susan has been with us, so we've got a lot of catching up to do. And you haven't undertaken a big project recently. I haven't? You have. Oh,
1: I have. Yes, I have.
0: (laughs) You don't know what your big project is? (laughs) I was
1: confused by your wording. Um, Yes, I have just begun taking a class to learn how to be, I guess, a c- certified nursing assistant.
0: And why have you done that?
1: Well, because my mother is getting older, and I thought, you know, I'm, we just moved back to live with her. And I've heard from other people that having a CNA in the family has been really helpful for caring for elderly parents. So i like, hey, let's go do this, because my mom would like to stay in her home as long as possible, or maybe till the end. So that's the challenge.
0: Yep. So for those of us who are um, not aware or not really familiar with a CNA, I already hadn't I'd heard of it, but I didn't really know what it was. What briefly is a CNA?
1: Um, well, in they have different settings. You can work in a like a nursing home or assisted living place. Basically, you're just helping with a lot of personal care, giving baths, um, helping them with their hair or with eating. And maybe sometimes you need to help them in the bathroom duties or um, helping them fix their meals or clean, things like that. So it's just a variety of ways to help out when the older person can't really do that anymore.
0: All right. And for us, for those of you who have been following along with us for a while now. You know, when we started this show, we were in Japan. We have been full-time missionaries in Japan for 20 years. And then God has given us a little curveball here where we've come back to the States to take care of Susan's mom for a while. So I've been looking at other things to do ministry-wise and looking at how I can support Susan. And she has undertaken this, this new journey of learning what it means to be a caregiver, uh, learning how to develop a new relationship with your mom after being gone for 30-something years, and, you know, mom has changed, and Susan has changed, and the family's different, and all those kind of things. So it is a big difference from where things were. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, really on our show here, we try to focus on... Uh, discipleship, disciple-making, personal spiritual growth, and just really encouraging you to be a a thriving, growing disciple, a follower of Jesus who's really uh, joyfully serving. And really, this does fit in, because that would be our heart, and I know that's Susan's heart, that this would be a time of, of serving. It's a different group, maybe, than being in Japan and serving, but I thought it'd be worth hearing her perspective and how she is approaching this as she's just getting started with even the the learning about what it means to be a caregiver so i guess first we've been back now for a few months what has been um the biggest lesson that you've learned maybe in this first couple of months about uh, about yourself or about your mom or about this situation maybe something you didn't know before
1: I think when I first came back here, I was thinking, I want to take care of my mom. I want to do everything for her. I want to, you know, keep her from having to do risky things where she could maybe fall or hurt herself. But after being here just even a short while, I realized that's not really the right way of approaching it because my mom wants to still live. She wants to do things for herself. And as I'm studying the CNA stuff, they really encourage. Let the older people do as much as they can for as long as they can, because it does give them a sense of, um, I don't know, success or, you know, being able to. Yeah. And um, it's part of their self-worth, I guess, make them be more involved in their own care and, you know, don't baby them. They don't want to be babied. Mm
0: -hmm. So as you're studying the CNA training, how much did you know about the CNA requirements before you started?
1: Not much. I just know that um, they've had like a support role in, you know, caring for people. But mm-hmm. I knew it was kind of a grunt job, you know, all the yucky stuff that you hear about in hospitals that nobody else wants to do. Like, here you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as you're approaching this, this whole journey, not just the CNA, but caring for your mom, what would you say is the, the thing that you anticipate or look forward to the most?
1: Um. Hmm, what do I look forward to the most? I guess um I'm just kind of waiting as life plays itself out. I don't really know what to expect because you never know what situation might change at a moment's notice. You know, anything could happen and only God knows what our lives will look like in a week or ten years from now. So I guess just taking it a day at a time and seeing... What, what does God have for me today?
0: So is there anything that you're dreading as you look forward to the future to coming years as a caregiver?
1: Um, I guess the thing that maybe I'm most concerned about or it would be depending on my mom's de- um, mental state, like if she got dementia and couldn't recognize me and was aggressive and wanted to hit me or something, you know, that would be difficult to deal with or you know, if it's just, like, hour by hour, you have to be on your guard against everything. You know, it's just like, how does that work? I don't right. know.
0: Yeah, there's so many unknowns and uncertainties. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of joys, too. I know, for me, as I think about you and your mom, because I've known you guys for 26 or so years, that I, and I've heard some of your story, your past. You know, your mom uh, was the one who led you to Christ and was the first one who— did some discipling and helped you get involved in ministry. So all these things that she did to invest in your life, and it's kind of neat that now at Mm -hmm. the the end, you have an opportunity to invest in her life. And I think that's kind of cool. So Mm -hmm. to me, I think there would be a lot of joy in that.
1: Right. And I didn't realize when we started this journey that there is already like sort of a built-in support group. All around, anywhere you go. There are other people who have taken care of their elderly parents, and they are all like a club. They're like, oh, hey, we've been there, you know, and we know it. We know what it's like. And I think that has been really buoying, if that's a word, um, very encouraging to know that we're not in this alone, and we're not, this isn't the first time anyone's ever done this. And hearing some of the testimonies of other Christians. Um, one in particular, I remember at a church we visited, um, a lady said she just felt like it was such a blessing to be able to take care of her mother. I think she cared for her for eight years. And she's like, if I could do it all over again, I would do it in a heartbeat. And she's like, I think God created me just for this purpose. Cause she had all brothers and she was the only girl in the family. And like, that was her job that she had at, her mom's end of her life and it's like wow that is really an amazing testimony hope i can say that when i'm done with this
0: so as you're getting this far into it you know only it's only been six months or so that we've been even thinking about this have there been lessons that that you could share with everyone today that you have learned that might be valuable for us to hear
1: well, I'm not sure if it's valuable for everybody else, but it's been things that I have learned. Um, really, going back to school, I mean, it's kind of strange to say it like that, but it's basically school. Um, have homework and things I have to do, and I was really freaked out about my first exam, but I was okay. Um, but there, there's a lot to learn, and um, one of the things that they said in it, um, they have like a, a video on aging and... Um, how some there's an elder hostel something where they teach elderly people new educational stuff. And they said that, um, the teacher said, it's interesting to have older people in his classes because they're different learners than younger people, because they have all these life experiences to compare things to and to draw from. And they're asking a lot of questions. And if they don't agree, they're right there. And Um, I can already see in this class, it's like, as they're teaching me, well, and obviously I'm in the situation where I'm ready to take care of an older person, but it's instantly applicable and, um... It's it's just some very interesting things that I hadn't really thought about before. Um, One thing is we're called the sandwich generation because we have kids at home, plus we're taking care of an older parent. So it's kind of like we're in the middle doing care on both sides, which that was a new term for me. Um, Also, just the idea of the stereotypes that most of America has toward elderly people and I think we all would agree that you know we look at old people and think oh they're in the way they're slow they're drain on society they're not very productive and you know and as we're getting older as I'm getting older you know I kind of see that on the horizon like oh that's going to be me in a few more years and you don't really like that idea it's like Not only do you have the stereotype for the old people, but you can see it coming for yourself. And to realize it doesn't have to be that way, and not all elderly people are frail and decrepit and bedridden and have nothing to live for. So there are a lot of, you know, there's more to old age than that. And we don't have to fear it. Um, I think sometimes you just feel like If you're not productive, you're not really worthwhile. And that's something that I think came out of this. It's like even they would say, you know, the secular world you know, when you look at a person, if they have no quality of life, are they really worth having alive? Or, you know, maybe they wish they could die. But where is your worth? And as Christians, we know, you know, that needs to come from God. Because, yeah, if I'm basing my worth on my looks, okay, we're getting saggy, we're getting wrinkly, we're, you know, not as productive as we used to be, we lose track of our thinking and lose track of our keys and everything else along the way. And, you know, if it's all based on these external things, um, we're going to feel like we're a, a drain and a burden to everybody else. Um, I One thing that was really interesting to me was there was a TED Talk that I had to watch. Um, and this speaker was comparing the modern day world that we live in to tribal environments and I think he um, studied the people in Papua New Guinea for a while and just looking at how the uh, native or tribal group viewed their elderly i mean when they they really respected them because they were the resources they didn't have youtube and google to find out how do you do this basket weaving this guy who's 80 or maybe they don't live that long but this oldest guy in our tribe he's the best one at it and you know pretty much their life stays the same from generation to generation there's not a lot of change between you know years and years ago and today and um The speaker was talking about, you know, in nowadays, in modern world, um, it's not like that. You know, the stuff that, well, this speaker was like saying he had, he was really good at slide rules and, you know, this kind of math he could do in his head. Well, now it's obsolete because we have calculators and computers to do all that. So we don't need to look at the old person to say, hey, do this for me. Or how do you do that? Show me how. And we have YouTube, and we have all these other self-help and resources galore. And so then we're like, oh, we don't need these old people, and they don't really provide that same sense. And um, the life has changed so much for modern world too, in that you know now the old people are looking at, I don't know how to use my iPhone, or you know, and you've got all these changes, and it's not the mm-hmm. same as it once was.
0: Yeah, I have a story for that because last night your mom was asking me how to turn the the flashlight, the flashlight yeah. on, on her iPhone. And <laughs> I looked at it and I didn't really know. So I'm thinking, we're going to have to call my daughter to come and probably show us how to do this. So you're yeah. instead of looking to the old people, you're looking to the, the younger people who are more familiar with the, the technology. So, yeah, the two... Uh, your mom and, and I are both really struggling to figure out how to turn this thing on. Like, it can't be that complicated. You know, that's a common thing. People do it in a second. But it's just like you have to know the right mm-hmm. way to scroll and figure out and with the button. And it just, right. we did figure it out. But you know, that's a good picture. You know, in the old days, you'd have something where she had been doing it, and I would be asking her how to do something. And right. there are things like that, say, in my family, grew up in Alabama. I remember one of my memories when I was probably seven or eight was my great-grandmother um, at our house, and she was teaching her son- her children, her sons, were all there, and they were butchering a hog. So they had half of a pig on the picnic table, a memory you'll never forget. <laughs> and your great-grandmother, she, my great-grandmother, standing there with a hatchet, and she was showing them how to do some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the younger generation looking to the older generation for something that they did that, mm-hmm. you know, over time, you know, my... My dad's generation stopped doing that. I have never even considered doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I know my children would never even probably have the opportunity if they wanted to. It would be really hard for them to do that. Mm-hmm. But her generation, that's your options. You you have mm-hmm. you have pigs and you want pork. you got to butcher it. So that has flipped now where mm-hmm. I'm looking at the technology coming out and where it takes me a few tries to figure out and remember how to do some of these things. The kids, you know, they do it once or twice and they've got it and and i have forgotten again like what so yeah you can see that everything is turned on its head
1: yeah one thing that um this ted talk person said too was that the older generation that you know they've lived through well maybe they didn't live through but they were conscious of the great depression and having to live very frugally and you know like world war type of scenarios and you know the younger generation has no clue how to live with that, how to deal with that. So if that happens in the next however many years, you know, the old people could give mm-hmm. a lot of advice and help on that kind mm-hmm. of scenario. But yeah, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. I do think they have a lot of advice to give. Mm -hmm. That's more big picture life advice and relationship advice Mm -hmm. and priorities and things like that. Not with the details of technology, Mm -hmm. but with the big picture, how to navigate life. I think there's still a lot of value. And I've always really enjoyed sitting and talking to older people and hearing their stories of how they've Learn different lessons, particularly when they're sp- sharing spiritual lessons of how God taught them something. A lot of those lessons, they're directly applicable if we will stop and listen. And I think that's the problem with particularly the younger generation, people in their 20s and 30s, that they won't stop and listen.
1: Yeah, everybody's in such a rush to get from here to there and mm-hmm. get everything done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think for people who are older and um You know, their own perspective and outlook on the rest of their life is so key. Uh Um, You know, you can look ahead and go, oh, I have this to look forward to for the rest of my life. You know, I've got these limitations. I can't do this. I can't do that. But then there are other older people who are like, hey, so I only have one leg now, but hey, I can still do this, or I can, I've learned how to play tennis in a wheelchair, or, you know, they're, they don't just roll over and die, Mm -hmm. they're looking forward to what can I do. And I think that makes a huge difference. And I know I've met old people that, you know, they just look like an old person, and nothing really separates them or makes them stand out in a crowd. But Something they say will just like, oh, they have a personality and they have humor. I know one time I was a candy striper way back in the day when that was a thing. Volunteer at a hospital and I had to carry in the food tray to this lady. She was probably 90. And I put it on her bedside table and she was like, oh, you forgot something. And I'm like, I have no clue because I don't have anything to do with this food. I just put it on there. And I was like, oh, uh, what would that be? And she said, You forgot my appetite. And I was like, that is so cute. I mean, that person had so I just hung around her and talked to her. And the next time I came, I sought her out. And it just brought that connection, you know, because she had, you know, something interesting to say and um, made her seem more like a person. And actually, I've been reading a book on caregiving. And that's one of the things that they said made a really good nurse's assistant was those who not only took care of the physical needs but also saw the person, the older person, as a human being and as a person with individual desires and preferences mm-hmm. and really a, there's a person in there. you know. It's not just this old shell.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, I can see how it's, it's hard sometimes and, and some people are difficult to talk to. Them. Some people just give up. That's true yeah. too. Uh, so I, I suppose there's a lesson for us as we as we age as well, not to be that person who gives up and has nothing interesting to say and nothing to offer, but mm-hmm. I look for opportunities to connect and to do so in a way that, that's meaningful, but not to give up. But then also from uh, the younger side to consider spending some time listening because it may not be that everything has equal value. And I know from... Some of our ministry in Japan and running the coffee shop, you have certain people that came in, and once they hit a certain age, you hear the same story pretty consistently. So all the people that worked in the coffee shop could could share and say, has he shared this story yet? Oh, just wait, and you'll hear some of these stories. Well, okay, that's part of it, but a lot of those stories, actually, there's good content. I mean, there's good meaning in those stories, Uh, and a lot of times, if you'll engage them, um, you get new stories. Sometimes they're just telling you the stories because nobody listens, no one asks them anything, so they're just sharing what they're thinking about. But I found a lot of those people, when you engage them in asking questions, you get new stories, and they probably have things they had forgotten and weren't thinking about because nobody asked them. So it's important from our side to stop and listen and then to engage people who are, are willing to engage with us.
1: Right. Um, uh, They talk a lot about how older people need to feel useful or needed. And um, I think um, if those of us who are older, that um, if you know God, you should be able to figure out or understand what does God want from me now in this context, in this body, in these limitations or, you know, circumstances, because it does change over time, and, you know, the stuff that you used to be able to do to serve God may be taken away from you. And there does seem to be a lot of loss of those types of small things, which might be big to you. But um, to realize that as long as you're breathing, you do have a role, and God does have something for you, even if you're flat on your back and all you can move is your you know, nothing. You can still pray, and you could be a blessing to a lot of people just by mm-hmm. doing that. So, um, I think that's part of that outlook, your perspective on life, and, you know, why does God still have you here? There's a reason. And maybe you think, oh, I have nothing to be thankful for. I have nothing to do for anybody. I can't do anything for anybody. Well, that's not true. If you look... We can be a blessing to someone every single day if we try. And, you know, it might be a nurse or somebody else or maybe a janitor. I mean, who knows? But, you know, you can engage people in conversation or um, just be thoughtful and personable and really to be thankful every day. Um, I'm kind of impressed with my mom because she's very positive as she looks forward. She's like, you know, we're 50s, you know, and... Um, she was like, oh, you're getting on up there, and you're getting these, uh, the CNA training, you know, you'd be 70 by the time I die, because she's planning to live till she's 100, because all these people in the newspaper, they can live till they're 100 or 97, you know, and she's only 81, but um, she's like, by that time, you'll be like 70, so you can't get a job then, I'm like, Okay, (laughs) we don't think about that. We're just taking it a day at a time. But, you know, she is positive. She's going to be here a long time, and she's still want to write a book. She's Mm -hmm. got people she wants to share the gospel with. She's working on this little tract that she can hand out, and, you know, she's still living life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big part of being Mm -hmm. forward-thinking and not just... Dying and giving
0: up. She she definitely tries to be very, very active. And I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the concerns that I would have is what happens when she's not active anymore or can't be. But as long as she can be, definitely her goal is to keep moving and keep moving and keep moving. So if it's up to her, (laughs) she'll she'll be here for a long time. Yeah. So in your, um, I don't know, learning and and thinking about how this works, do you see? This as being a spiritually difficult time, or do you think it'll be overall an, an encouraging time, or is that hard to judge without knowing what is to come?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just. Uh, I mean, I've heard other people say that it can get very difficult, so I'm guessing maybe somewhere down the road it might be difficult. But I think it helps me to know that this is the right thing to do, and I feel like God wants us to do this, and so that really gives me a lot of confidence that this is what we're going to do, and we'll just do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a big part of, I don't know, for us coming here and feeling comfortable that this is the right thing, because I mean, it cost us a lot to come here, but I know we talked about it, and we prayed about it, and kind of look at mm-hmm. the, what the Bible says, and what our reason for being is, mm-hmm. and we're both comfortable. This is what God has for us. This is our responsibility and something that that we need to do. So I know one of my questions coming back was not, is it the right thing to do? That was answered. But I really believe with all my heart, God has called me to be a disciple maker and God has called us into ministry and to serve other people. So this is part of it. We're able to serve her. But one of my thoughts right off the bat was who else does God have? And I know that's one thing that even you've been thinking about here is there's other people around that you have maybe opportunities They may be limited because you don't know how the future goes. But, you know, for me already, I've seen people that God's brought into my life that were we back in Japan, we wouldn't have these relationships. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have these opportunities to encourage and challenge people in the way that we are. So I'm having opportunities to be a disciple maker here and now. And I think even, well, for you going forward, that's part of it to recognize God's doing something in me, God's doing something through me. That's kind of what I was thinking about on the last show. I talked about grace. You know, grace is ours. We receive that. It's a gift. And I really love the way that Paul continually talked about this gift that he was given, and then right away he talks about how that flows through him, and it it leads to ministry. Mm -hmm. So we've been given great great grace, many blessings, and one of the ways that that uh, bears fruit in our life is to have that ability then to pour into others. And one Mm -hmm. of those people, being your mother, and then who are the other people? And that's one of the questions that I think we need to keep asking ourselves as we're here. We're here and now we have this situation. The situation may change, but always in any situation, what does God have for us? God has blessed us. How do we bless other people in this situation? So I suppose as we kind of draw to a close, do you have any encouragement for someone who is thinking about it and they're wondering, you know, maybe this is going to come, maybe not. Would you have any help for them as they're thinking about maybe something like this in the future?
1: Well, since I've transitioned to here, I've noticed how many verses there are in the Bible that talk to a caregiver or um, that are encouraging or even urging, you need to do this. So there are so many things that are encouraging in that way. And I really feel like once you, if you give your life to this for this chapter of season, I think we'll never regret that. So, I mean, there's kind of that in there, too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely don't think that you'll regret it. Whatever um, challenge comes your way, whatever trial comes your way, you know, one of the things that's just true is that God is working, and He doesn't require us to, um, to do something for Him. He didn't need something from us, but He gives us an opportunity to be a blessing. And I think being a blessing on His behalf being his hands and feet often ends up being that blessing for us. So whatever you do, keep pursuing God, keep pursuing God this and serve other people.
1: And keep running.
0: Thanks for joining us today. If you have a question we can address on the show or just want to send us a word of encouragement, send an email to talk at runwithhorses.net. That's T-A-L-K at runwithhorses.net. We look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, keep running.